This is the second message in the Family Time series. If you've been watching the website, you know that the title has changed a couple times. I had a dream a couple weeks ago. I don't usually preach because I dream. I usually don't remember my dreams. But I was walking through a sanctuary with a former mentor of mine. It was his sanctuary of his church. And over on the corner of an altar or something, there was an envelope with money in it. This fellow was saying, you know, you never told me about that money. It's been a long time now. You never told me about that. What is it with this money? What are you trying to do with it? And my response to him was, I think you're misreading my motives. My motives are a lot more naive than you think. A lot simpler than you think. A lot purer than you think. Because I really don't know why you said that. I woke up and I thought, no wonder I had such a hard time. My motives were constantly being questioned. Named. With names that I never thought of. That's a hard place to be. Because then, especially with a mentor person, I start questioning my own motives and trying to think, was that my motive? Uh, Maybe this person is right. Maybe I don't have pure motives. I better pray about this and ask the Lord to, to give me some insight here. In a family, in order to have close relationships, we have to trust the motives of each other. Can you say amen to that? What we often do, even as Christians, especially as Christians, we apply motives to people because we see behavior that we think means that a certain motive has made that behavior come forth. Where do we get that idea? Usually it's probably the motive we would have if we had that behavior. Hello? This applied motives, this making people be motivated by something other than what they're really motivated by, will kill a relationship. It will not allow intimacy to take place because you never get to the real personality. You never get to the real person underneath. It's like that picture there on your bulletin. Why would you do that? Hey, if you do that, you must be, or you must have thought, or this must have directed you. You must be in this spot. You must think this. Boy, there's plenty of examples in the Bible of people whose motives were misread. Especially in the early church. But I just want to look at one here, Acts 11. I want to look at Peter just for a minute. Now, of course, Peter is a person whose motives are going to be misread. Why? Because before he was saved, his motives were selfish, misdirected. So people who don't see him very often after he gets saved, but even people who know him intimately, 
are going to think he's behaving or doing something because of this old motive pattern that they saw. They're not going to give him the grace that his motives may have changed. Let me just take a pause here for a minute. I understand there's a difference between forgiveness and trust. I lived through it. I was forgiven, but I was not trusted. And I should not have been. And it took me a long, 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 long time to win trust back. To show that my motives were new and different. I understand that. But if you look at Acts chapter 11, you remember the story about Peter and Cornelius. Cornelius the soldier. This guy wasn't even a Jew. And he heard from God. Hello? He heard that he was supposed to send these guys and go get Peter and bring him back to his house. So he sent these guys to go get Peter. In the meantime, Peter was sleeping. He had a dream, had a vision. The sheet came down with all these animals on it. In red letters it says, Arise and eat. Guess who was talking to Peter? Lord, may it never be. I've never eaten anything except kosher food my whole life. And the red letters say, don't call unclean what God has blessed. He didn't even know what it meant, but he was soon to find out. Because he went to Cornelius, and the whole family got saved, right? Now let's look at chapter 11. Soon the news reached the apostles and other believers in Judea that the Gentiles had received the word of God. Why, this was blasphemy for a lot of people. But when Peter arrived back in Jerusalem, the Jewish believers criticized him. They questioned his motives. You entered the home of Gentiles and even ate with them. Oh, disgusting. They think he is motivated by what? Something old? They're applying motives to him that isn't there. Then Peter told them exactly what happened. Peter had to back up and go through the whole story, the rest of, almost the rest of chapter 11, and tell them exactly what happened to explain why he did what he did. Skip to verse 18. When the others heard this, they stopped objecting and began praising God. They said, we can see that God has also given the Gentiles the privilege of repenting of their sins and receiving eternal light. Now, they're starting to see Peter's motives in a different light. He was actually led by the Spirit of God. Wow! His motives weren't the old motives. He's trying to follow God. Even though it didn't look right to us in the first place. So here's Peter's motives assumed and misread. When they finally get the whole story, they can start to see what his motives really are. Question. Can we get to the point where we don't first misread the motives, but we see the motives for what they are correctly the first time? Is that possible? That's part of the theme for today. Is it possible to not apply motives to somebody because we think they're doing things for a reason that has nothing to do with their reason? 
motives explained and demonstrated. Here's an example. Peter explaining what his motives are again. 1 Peter, chapter 5, at the end. By the way, Peter's writing this book. This letter is from Peter, an apostle. Peter doesn't have business cards that says Peter, apostle. Because it says something after apostle. That's important. Because you really can't be an apostle unless it says this next. An apostle of Jesus Christ. A real apostle of Jesus Christ is going to look, sound, and behave like Jesus. This whole book is written like Jesus would write it. Some of it is telling people what to do. Now, sometimes when I'm told what to do, I question your motives. Yeah, I'm a pastor. I don't need the congregant telling me how to behave, what to do. You know? Peter shows the heart of Jesus. He tells them who he is. He tells them some stuff. And then at the end, verse 12, I have written and sent this short letter to you with the help of Silas, whom I commend to you as a faithful brother. My purpose in writing is to encourage you and assure you that what you are experiencing is truly part of God's grace for you. Stand firm in that grace. This is Peter explaining his motives. I'm wondering, if he didn't explain his motives, would everybody understand them? For the pure motives as an apostle of Jesus Christ that they really are? I wonder, I don't know. I sure hope so. Skip down to the last point, because the most important part of this message is that our motives are positively anticipated. We see each other as led by Christ's Spirit. We see each other as led by Christ's Spirit. I don't care what your behavior is, Bridge Builders Community Church. I believe that your motive, every single person sitting here, your motive is to bless God, glorify God, love God, point others toward God. I believe that. I don't care what you do. Your motive is to bless God. Now, my wife would say this if she was here. When she was first saved, she didn't want anybody to know she was a Christian because she didn't look like a Christian. She dressed the way I wanted her to dress. She wouldn't walk in this building dressed like that. She compromised some of her heart beliefs for me. But if you looked at her, you would never even know she was a Christian. I understand even that. As I look back now, I see her like that. Her desire was to please God. And God got her there. If you saw her for one day out of her life, you might not even think she was a Christian. And yet her motive was to bless God. There are certain minutes of my life, I would not want you to look at me and think of what my motives could be. 
Well, I want you to know my motive is to please God. Bless God. Glorify God. I want to be God's man. I don't care what you see me do, what you hear me say. That's my motive. You might see a behavior that doesn't quite line up with that. What are you going to do about it? What are you going to think about it? You going to apply motives to me? Don't do it because you know what my motive is. What can you do? Pray for me. First, I'm an intense person. You ever get that impression? I'm an intense person, a focused person. So I can walk right down this aisle like this and completely ignore everybody. My daughter's nodding. <laughs> It doesn't mean I hate you. It doesn't mean you're ugly. It doesn't mean you're low on my totem pole. There's something going on inside of me. But if you know that my heart's desire and my motive is to bless God and please God, what are you going to do about it? You're going to come up and say, Tim, you know how rude you were? I probably wouldn't even know what you're talking about. I was so focused on something. I'm not saying I don't need to know when I'm rude. I'm not saying that. Because I do get rude once in a while. <laughs> Maybe I better stand here. <laughs> when I look at you, the only motive I'm going to apply to you is that you love God. And if I see behavior in you that doesn't fit with my concept of what loving God is all about, I'm going to pray. I'm going to ask God to bless you. Because that's the truth. The truth. And you have to do something. You've got to get up in the morning and stand in front of the mirror and look at yourself in the mirror. And you have to say, Good morning, beautiful. You are God's girl, guy. God's going to bless you today. He loves you. You're going to live for God today, and everything you do, think, and say is going to bless God. It's going to be done for God's glory. And you're going to say, God, I can't make this happen on my own, but you, because you're in me and you love me, you're going to make it happen. And by the time my head hits the pillow tonight, we're going to have had a good day. Bless God. You see, we've got to get up and believe that God is in us. That Holy Spirit we talked about last week is bigger than your spirit. His desire for you is greater than your desire for yourself. And His love for you trumps all your doubts and fears. You've got to do that. We cannot walk out the door in the morning and just say, well, here's another day. I'll probably screw up again today because I'm just a sinner saved by grace. I know that people say that, but I don't like that statement. Because to me, the grace isn't what's the focus. It's the sinner parts that's the focus. 
It's as if the sinner overtakes the grace, so we've got to keep talking ourselves into it that the grace might be able to overtake the sinner once in a while. No. I'm not a sinner saved by grace in my eyes. I'm a son of the living God. He died for me. I'm a new creation. All things have become new. Does it mean all or not? I don't have to question my own motives. I have a question. Um, in, in the sense of being a son and a child of God. Now, where there, if we're going off. Do you have a father? Right. Well, not the father discipline us to bring us back. And that's where our hearts can sometimes deceive us in our motives. So the motive we thought was right, was the right thing to do, is actually our heart deceiving us and gearing us in a wrong direction. Bless you, Patty. You want to please God so much that when you hear his voice in the littlest, teeniest way, if your little toe gets off the path, you hear God's voice for you. And he calls you back and you say, yes, Lord. That's Christian life. That's the Christian life. But I'm not going to focus on the fact that my little toe went off the path. I'm going to focus on the fact that God is big enough and he loves me so much and his voice is so clear to me because I've practiced listening for 30 years that I'm not going to let any more than my little toe get off the path. He loves me enough and I hear him enough it's going to bring me back. Do I trust myself? No. I trust God a lot bigger than not trusting me. I trust God a lot more than I don't trust me. Does that make sense? God is not going to let me fall. He's not going to let me fail. I just don't believe it. I didn't say I'm always right. Hey, there's a couple of elders sitting here. Why do we have elders? To help me see when my little toe gets off the path if it does. So when they can ask, hey, uh, I heard you say that particular thing during the message. What was that all about? <laughs> can you explain that? That's why we have this little body. I would be very afraid of a person who says, I don't belong to any church. I'm just a member of the body of Christ. Great. It's great to be a member of the body of Christ. But the accountability is here, people. This, right here. I know you, Patty, you know me, and if my little toe gets off the path, you might be the one to come and tell me. At least if you have a question. At least if you have a question, say, I didn't understand that. Just like you just did. You see, you don't want me to get into the wrong place. I don't have a real earthly sister, so I count on people like you, Patty. You know what we're really talking about? Especially in, in this type of a church or fellowship, whatever you want to call it. We need each other. We need each other. I don't need to be questioning your motives. Even as a pastor. Pastors better be careful what they speak because their words are very weighty. I want the weight of my words to encourage you. 
because that's what I really believe in my heart. I'm not just trying to make this up so you feel good. But we're really talking about loving each other. It's love. This is part of love. Encouragement. I like the way the living Bible... By the way, my living Bible fell apart, so I just took it and split it up into little pieces here. I like the way the living Bible says, 1 Corinthians 13. Listen to this. Love is very patient and kind, never jealous or envious, never boastful or proud, never haughty or selfish or rude. Love does not demand its own way. It is not irritable or touchy. It does not hold grudges and will hardly even notice when others do it wrong. It is never glad about injustice, but rejoices whenever the truth wins out. If you love someone, you will be loyal to him no matter what the cost. You will always believe in him. Always expect the best of him. And always stand your ground in defending him. I'm going to defend you against anything. Because I know what your motives are. I know what it is. Please God. So if somebody came up to me and said, you know, I saw somebody from your church. You know what they were doing? What does that tell about them? So I don't know what you're talking about, but I know that person personally. And I know that person wants to please God more than anything else in the world. So whatever you're saying can be dealt with in a different way. But I know what their heart is. Uh, and isn't that the key? It's knowing each other. And if we don't know each other, <laughs> we can't really know what their motives are. That doesn't mean we just go to church together either, does it, Patty? No. Looking at the back of somebody's head isn't knowing somebody. Well, why are you sitting in the back row then, Michael? That was telling That was a bad joke. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's right. <laughs> thank you, Michael. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. I trust you, Jim. Look. I'm not telling you guys something that you don't know. Something you don't experience. I'm not trying to change course of Bridge Builders Community Church. I'm trying to explain what we do. Everybody who walks in this church, every single visitor has said to my wife, what a loving group of people. What a quiet, sweet place. Kevin Reardon was here praying over people. He said, I'm leaving town because I live in Pennsylvania. But when I'm here, this is my church. Can we agree this morning to see each other through the eyes of Jesus? All the time. All the time. To have grace cover every meeting we have. Every dinner we attend with each other. Every activity we do together. This is what God has called bridge builders to be. And I'll be perfectly honest with you. There's times I sit home and say, Lord, 40 people for five years? What's that all about? Lord, do you realize? <laughs> Did you know? Let me just explain something to you. 
Do you understand the heart of bridge builders that people sense when they come to this building? Wouldn't more people want to sense that heart and be encouraged by the love of God that's poured out from this place to everybody? I'm not saying that. That's what other people say. Lord. Hello? Hello, hello, hello. Oh, he lets me just spout off every once in a while. I don't want to have a mega church. I just want to love people. And I got enough love for some more people. So if there's more people around who need to be loved, Lord, send them through that doorway. Because we promise that when we open those doors, every single person who walks through that door, we would love. We said that out loud. We don't care who they are, what they look like. We're going to love them. And one person walked through that door. I loved him enough to say, don't come back. <laughs> For our good. Steve Green recorded a song. Here's the words. All believers dream of reaching the world with a message of love and grace. Searching for the best way of preaching the word to rescue the human race. The answer seems too easy. It's nothing new. A simple thing any child of God can do. Love one another. Take your brother by the hand. The world will watch in wonder. Love will make them understand. Love one another, and your love will change the world. And again, this, and the second verse comes from 1 Corinthians 13. Love is always patient, love is always kind, and always gives itself away. Love is there to serve, and doesn't seem to mind. Never has a harsh word to say. Love is slow in passing judgment. Love is quick to forgive. It gives its life that the world may live. Love one another. Take your brother by the hand. He's talking to you, church. The world will watch and wonder. Love will make them understand. Love one another and your love will change the world.